This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Here it is. Len Casper with the call on NBC Sports Chicago. Rami Makhlouf with you on 670 The Score this Sunday afternoon. For one more hour, Chris Ranji takes these airwaves at that time. He's followed by Cubs and Sox. Pat and Ron with the call right here on 670 The Score with 705 first pitch. Joining me right now to talk about those White Sox and all things baseball. You can uh, find this guy's work at the Midway Minute. Pleasure to welcome in Dave Brown. Dave, thanks for a few minutes. How are you this afternoon? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Thanks, thanks for coming on. I was I was talking before the break with uh, Sean Anderson, big Sox fan, on the other side of the glass, and I, I declared the division race over. Now I host a weekday show in in Milwaukee, the Score Sister Station, twelve fifty a.m. The mm-hmm. fan, and a lot of a lot of Brewers fans. When I when I declared the same thing in the Brewers' favor, they were like, "Dude, pump your brakes, slow down. You're going to jinx us." Are you ready to declare this division over, Dave? Well, I think the, the Brewers might have something to worry about with the Reds. Uh, but I don't think the White Sox have a Reds in their division. So I, I don't think uh, Cleveland or anybody else is, uh, you know, the, the Sox could, you know, maybe fall into a slump and lose a couple games off the lead. But I think the kind of lead they have now is uh, pretty impressive. And, uh, you know, when you look at, you know, maybe uh, what it's going to be toward the end of September, it's probably going to be in double digits. So, you know, I don't think we can, uh, I don't necessarily believe in no hitter jinxes by the media or Twitter. <laughs> And I, I don't necessarily believe in uh, a division jinx by saying that the White Sox are going to win the Central. I think that's going to happen. Now, I, I said that to say this, Dave, which is that what what we saw from this Sox team leading up to the Cubs series where where they, they scored three or fewer runs in 12 of their last 20 games, and that, that seems to be the magic number. Josh Nelson from Sox Machine pointed out they're 12-35 mm-hmm. and 35 when they score three or fewer runs this season. I said it was a red flag and not a red flag that's going to derail the regular season because, again, that's over. But I'm looking at this team and their World Series chances. How concerning is that, especially when you look at the opponents that the Brewers are having, or Brewers, the White Sox are having that much (laughs) trouble stringing together hits and scoring runs? Definitely going to have a White Sox-Brewers World Series now that we've said all that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. No, it's uh, now, it's a great point because... Uh, there's plenty. It's, it's it's the White Sox, so there's plenty to be worried about. I don't think the uh, the AL Central is something to worry about, but absolutely, 
going forward, looking into a playoff series or playoff series, uh, their uh, their tendency to kind of fall asleep a little bit offensively is is concerning, and it's something to, you know, they're still really good against left-handed pitching. I think the splits are evening out, though, so they're doing better against right-handed pitching, if you want to look at it like that. But, yeah, I mean, um, you know, they, they still could be subject to some kind of disturbing slump at the, at the wrong possible time and the, the wrongest to coin a phrase. But conversely on that point, I think that's why I was so encouraged by Carlos Rodon's start uh, getting back up in the 98 mile an hour territory and having the hard slider and the, the, the dead arm uh, period ending like Steve Stone said it would. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that's still where the White Sox have, uh, kind of some trump cards here in the postseason. Uh, you know, Giolito being on his, his best, Lance Lynn being at his best, and Rodon. Uh, there are three guys that, um, you know, if they are uh, – everything's healthy and focused, they are tremendous weapons in a short series. So, uh, yeah, the White Sox might have some problems scoring runs, but I also think they're going to be very good at uh, at preventing them. I'll get back to the run scoring in just a second and, and maybe what could have been, but since you brought up Carlos Rodon and 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 the dead arm, it, he he lasted four innings in both of his previous two starts prior to yesterday against the Cubs. 0-2 in that time, 6-7-5 ERA. Opponents are batting 343 against him and doing something that that he doesn't do, giving up the long ball, two home runs in each of those starts that, that I just mentioned. Right. How, how worried were you about Carlos Rodon, and did he put to rest all those worries with that start yesterday at Wrigley Field? I would say he put to to rest a lot of the worries. You know, maybe not all, but uh, I, I mentioned Steve Stone, and, and he had said that it was a dead arm period, and I know those things exist in baseball. A lot of times when you see a guy's velocity drop from, uh, you know, five miles an hour from, uh, you know, 97 to 92, which is where he was when he was giving up those home runs, you worry about, you know, uh, forearm ailments which lead to elbow ailments which lead to you know uh uh-oh um but apparently that's not the case so uh, was I worried yes am I less worried now yes because you know he's just showing that he can do it and uh and getting up to you know his his comfort zone with the with the upper 90s is is definitely what he needs to make people um you know kind of miss that slider of his as well so it all kind of works together that way so I'm much less worried about Carlos Rodon than I was you know couple days ago for sure dave brown of the midway minute my guest here uh rami makloff on 670 to score with you here on a sunday afternoon and we were, we were talking about the struggles of this offense which have 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 spelled this team a, a couple times throughout this year where the bats just kind of go silent and i i did a show on a sunday sunday morning here on 670 to score pre-trade deadline and i was asking right. white Sox fans for for their wish list and I was hearing a lot of the the big splash names, bats specifically, that went at the deadline. I was saying go and get a Craig Kimbrell if if that's something that you can do, which obviously they went and did. I think I also threw Ryan Tapera in there, which they did. And I was just I was just pulling out the best names that I thought I could pull out. I didn't I didn't think they'd actually go and get both of those guys. But hmm. after after the trade deadline, when I asked White Sox fans the following Sunday how they felt about what their team did. A lot of them were fine with it, and I don't know if that was if that was White Sox fans talking themselves into something, or if they were just so blown away by acquiring Craig Kimbrell that it outweighed what their their desires or their wish list was. 
what did you think about the White Sox and and what they did at the trade deadline? I know Cesar Hernandez does a lot to shore up second base and and brings a bat here, but it wasn't Chris Bryant, it wasn't Joey Gallo, it wasn't Javi Baez or one of those big splash bats that went at the deadline. Do you think that would have served the White Sox well had they gone after one of those guys? Well, I don't necessarily think that it would have been a great either-or situation because, you know, I like what they did, and you mentioned all the moves and getting Kimbrell was really important and getting uh, Tapera is important as well. I think they were definitely short, uh, two arms, uh, and hopefully not any more than that in the bullpen as far as, uh, you know, guys who could miss bats in a, in a playoff game. And, you know, those are two guys that can when they're, when they're on. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Hernandez. It's a big addition because as much as we all love, you know, Danny Mendick and, uh, you know, even Larry, uh, Larry Garcia, uh, their bats aren't very, I know Larry had a bunch of RBIs in the first half, but um, it, it, it helps round out the, the lineup a lot, having someone like that at second base rather than, uh, what the White Sox had before. Uh, you know, I would have loved to have brought in someone like Joey Gallo too, to play the outfield, but we do have uh, Luis Robert coming back. Eloy is, is coming back, is back now. Uh, there aren't a lot of holes in the White Sox lineup when they put their best players, you know, if we're, if we're counting Robert um, out there. So I think these uh, offensive um, holes that they, they go into a little bit are going to be less and less as long as they have, a full complement of players as, as long as they have their depth going. So it, it's, it, I, I think another huge bat in the lineup would have been great. Um, but I don't know that, you know, it, it seems like it, maybe that would have been an either or with, with Kimbrell. And I think, you know, Kimbrell was definitely one of the guys that they needed. So I think they can ride with what they have. And I think we, we haven't really seen the White Sox at their best this season because, you know, they didn't have, unnecessarily Hernandez at the beginning of the year and, and, and Robert was gone and, and Eloy was gone. When everybody's in the lineup, if everybody's healthy, they should be able to score runs. We, we just haven't seen it yet because it hasn't come to fruition. Yeah, and, and I was looking at that before the trade deadline and saying those guys are your acquisitions. And Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert getting them back in the lineup at some point here in the second half, not to mention Yasmani Grandal be, behind the plate. Those are your yeah, second half bats you that you're going to be adding to, to this lineup. No, it's true. I mean, it's, it's sometimes that can be overplayed and sort of, uh, you, you mentioned like fans talking themselves into liking something. Sometimes that can be done to, uh, to say, oh, well, you know, we're getting these guys healthy back. So th- those are acquisitions. And a lot of times that's kind of an overblown thing, but it's, it is re- it's one of these cases where it's really true. The White Sox had such bad luck in the first half with injuries. If they have an equal amount of good luck in the second half and get everybody going. Uh, yeah. You, you know, you mentioned Gordon Dahl. I mean, it, it, Obviously, his batting average, people look at that and, and scratch their heads, but the guy gets on base and he hits home runs, and that's ultimately what you want out of your hitters. So, you know, the White Sox at full strength, if it happens in September and October, uh, with the pitching that they have, I really like their chances. One more for you, Dave Brown of the Midway Minute, my guest here with uh, Rami Makloff on 670 The Score on a Sunday afternoon. Really, really active trade deadline, which which I love, Dave. I, that to me, to me, that kind of buzz, that kind of chatter, and 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 those storylines around the game always a good thing. I think it's one of the things that drives the popularity and success of of the NBA and the NFL. And we haven't had enough of it in Major League Baseball either in free agency. Yeah or at the trade deadline the last few years. But there is there is an opposing viewpoint to that that I saw around the trade deadline, which is also something that that I think might be a problem for this league, which is not not a lot of parity, a lot of haves and have-nots, and a lot of that 
by choice and and teams like the Chicago Cubs deciding, yeah, we don't want to compete for the rest of this year and 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 really narrowing down the number of markets and fan bases that have a vested interest as we get into the final months of the season and and the postseason. Wh- which one do you think outweighs the other? And, and do you think Major League Baseball ever finds a balance of those two things? Yeah, I, I think it depends on if they want to find a balance because, you know, you said it, teams are choosing to not uh, either do what, you know, like go the Cubs route or maybe even like the Yankees where oh, we got to do whatever we can to, you know, we'll make some moves, but we won't go over to that luxury tax. Which you know funds a lot of the uh, the lesser you know have not teams as well. That's another side of this where uh, you know those teams aren't uh, getting the the revenue sharing that uh, the, the the luxury tax and and all that was designed to do in the first place. So you know if, from a couple of standpoints, it's better if your team is at least trying to win for the year, and it's better to have pennant races. And we don't really you know we're going to have maybe one of those in the in the, uh, in the American League East, and, and maybe not even an interesting one there because, you know, we'll have three teams in the playoffs and the fourth one may or may not be in it. So I think uh, baseball needs to do something to address revenue sharing and either, uh, you know, forcing teams to have a, a, a ceiling and a, not a ceiling, but a floor if they're going to do it that way. And that would make them more, uh, you know, induced to making trades that help them win this year. And I think that ultimately is in the best interest of the league. That's David Brown. You can find his work in the Midway Minute on Twitter at Answer Dave. And my guest for the last few minutes here on 670 Score. Really appreciate the time and the insight, Dave. Thanks a lot, man. You are very welcome. Have a good day, man. And he joined me on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook. He brought up Steve Stone a couple times in that interview, his prediction on Carlos Rodon. And otherwise, we'll hear from Stoney from a hit and run this morning right after this. Rami Makhlouf with you on 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I want to give you pleasure because I know you enjoy it. That's why I'm here on a Sunday morning. Rami, or Sunday afternoon, excuse me. Rami Makhlouf with you on 670 The Score. I have thoughts on the NBA and how they choose to enforce Certain rules coming up in just a little bit. I'll make way for Chris Ranji at 3 o'clock. But you heard Steve Stone there. He joined Matt Spiegel earlier this morning on Hit and Run. We bring you that right here, right now on 670 The Score. How rare is it? I can't imagine that it's happened another time that two guys who used to broadcast for a team come back into town and broadcast for the opposition to that team like like you and Len have this weekend, uh, as a student of the game and a student of the broadcast industry, any precedent for this that you know of? No, I don't think that, I mean, if, if it happened before, maybe it was one time. I really, I really don't track that. But, yeah, it is a bit unusual, and it was, uh, it was fun. I mean, there was, uh, look, we all know the situation with the Cubs and the trade deadline and all of the personnel that they traded away. However, there was still a lot of electricity in the stands. There were still uh, still the fans were into it uh the first game was uh, was probably a whole lot closer than uh, than uh, anybody wanted especially with the three run home run against Kimbrel late i mean romine hitting a home run that's uh, that's not something that usually happens but you could feel a little more intensity in the crowd than yesterday uh, the pitching just dominated for for the Sox. but it was really a nice experience. It was nice to uh, to be on the road, uh, even though the road was a very short trip. And uh, <laughs> it's also nice to see the the, uh, the stands filled with fans. And I got to tell you, it was probably evenly divided. I mean, when they both went into their chance, let's go Sox, let's go Cubs. I, I think uh, the the noise level was about the same. You know, it, it's a very healthy thing to have. Uh, another big league club and and have to have you rise up to it. And I know it, it gets kind of poo pooed as you know as sometimes, especially on the score, as like tribalism and pettiness or whatever. But it's like it, it it's good to have that standard staring you across the way. I I, I liked I, I think that the Cubs' success spurred Rick Hahn and and Jerry Reinsdorf to decide to revamp and do what they've done. And now the White Sox success and stability right now and for the next couple of years hopefully is going to spur Jed Hoyer and the Cubs to, uh, to, to try to get good again relatively quickly. Um, it, it, it can be a very healthy thing in that way, don't you think? Well, I think anytime you have a competition that's really on your doorstep, uh, you want to do something to, uh, to maybe, if not do it better than them, at least get to their level. I mean, look at the Mets and the Yankees. Year after year, they vie for the, uh, you know, for for the back page on uh, on the Daily News or the uh, or the Post. I mean, uh, they're both in it to be able to capture or recapture a fandom. And maybe mm-hmm. look, the hardcore fans of one or another are not going to swing over. But there are some fans who, when one side is really good, they'll 
matriculate to that side. When the other side is good, they'll come back to the other side. And so you are, uh, you know, I guess if you look at it in a political sense, you're not going to go after the hardcore party people. You're going to go after the independents who are in the middle who might swing back and forth. And uh, that certainly helps. I think it's a very healthy rivalry. And a lot of people, uh, mostly of the, the Cub variety, were incensed when I said this was a Cubs World Series. They weren't understanding what I was saying. Uh, is it as important at the World Series? No, but when you're not going to make the playoffs, it's really nice to beat the team that's in the neighborhood of eight miles from you. I know the Sox felt the same way when the Sox were going through their rebuild. Uh, it was a really good feeling to be able to battle and beat the Cubs. That's what they look for. If you don't have the playoffs and then you're going through uh, a more abund end of the season, well, then beating that team that's on your doorstep is really a good thing, and your players feel it. They, they might not think they're the end of the world, these games, but they bear down and they want to win those games. Believe me, to a man, the White Sox, even with a 10-and-a-half game lead in, in, uh, in our division, they want to beat the Cubs. There is no doubt about it, and I have to believe uh, uh, the Cubs feel the same way about the White Sox. It's just human nature to do that. Moribund. Uh, God, that's so right. So any, anything you can grab onto to give yourself a little motivation, you take. Yeah, what that, does... that, that's what you need. It's an everyday game, Matt. Yep. You come to the ballpark every day. You try to make yourself the best player you can be. And everyone says, well, this team laid down. Look, I was 14 years in professional baseball. I came to the park every day through some very bad teams, some bad teams, some okay teams, mediocre teams, and some very good teams. But the only thing that was the same was my desire to win that day if I was pitching. And the guys who played in back of me, they felt the same way. You never go out there and lay down in a game. You go out there to win each and every time out because that's how we got to where we got to. That's how we get to the major leagues is that competitiveness that drives you to win every time you go out there. We were taught to win as we were growing up. If we didn't win a lot, we wouldn't be in the major leagues. And then to get there and expect that these guys are going to lay down, that really does not happen. I've never seen it happen. It never happened to me, and it's never happened to the guys that, that I was around. Do they play maybe a step above on occasion, depending on their motivation? Yeah, but they go out there wanting to win every day. Stoney, Carlos Rodon is brilliant on six days of rest or more this year, an ERA of 1.51. The fastball clearly has more life, more carry, as well as more velocity. Um, but, but so I find myself thinking about the opportunity slash challenge for the entire rotation. From the starting pitcher perspective, what is, what is the opportunity and or challenge for Tony La Russa and Ethan Katz the rest of the way to try and maximize these guys so they're in pristine health and command when the playoffs come? Okay, so here we are on the 33rd anniversary of the first night game at Wrigley Field, 8888 was when it happened. And so we're getting down to we're getting down to a little less than 2 months left in the season. It's of vital importance for most of these guys to go into hopefully and I believe that's going to happen. Let's let's call it hopefully going into the postseason healthy. Because that is the biggest challenge is getting guys enough innings to stay sharp getting guys enough rest to stay healthy and making sure that if there are consequential games, and I'm not sure they're not going to be, uh, we remember the 2005 White Sox uh, with that dissolving lead to the Cleveland Indians that got everybody a, a, little, uh, a little excited, a little tense, a little nervous. That can happen all the time. It looks like you have something well in hand. All of a sudden you see a team pop up that you didn't expect. 
in our division, I don't think without with without Savali and with Bieber healthy, the Indians probably will not be able to make a run, but maybe the Tigers will. Who knows? I don't know what's going to happen there. But I do know that these guys aren't taking anything for granted. However, when you're planning ahead, you're trying to keep everybody healthy. You mentioned how good Rodon looks on extended rest. And I said his dead arm would go away in a couple of starts, and it did uh, because he got the added rest. Tony's going to have to do that with each and every one of their pitchers, each and every one of those guys in the bullpen. But maybe the finest balancing act is the bullpen, Matt, because you've got to get them enough work to keep them sharp to make sure they're throwing strikes, but you don't get them too much work where they start to bog down or, or God forbid, another injury. The Sox right now are uh, have been as injured a team as I've ever seen as far as consequential injuries, but the key is health. The healthiest team usually wins in late September, October, not necessarily the best team. We've seen that year after year after year where the best team in baseball does not win the World Series. The reason is that they get a key injury or two, and then it really hurts them. So if you're you're sitting in a situation with a big lead, you can more easily plot going forward to keep everybody healthy. Stoney, um, why does a pitcher fall behind like Craig Kimbrell did on Friday then look hittable as he's forced to throw in the zone? He hasn't looked like that all year long. Um, and it is, it's the eighth versus the ninth. So, you know, uh, look, I, I, I believe in the mentality that it takes to focus just a little bit more or, get, or just hump it up a little bit more. And I'm not saying it's going to be some massive problem along the way, but is it conceivable that – um, th- that that a change in in role just for a moment can mess with your head a little bit, and you can fall behind and look different as Kimbrel did on Friday than he has any other appearance all year long. Well, number one, he gave up two runs all year long, two earned runs all year long. So odds are overwhelming it was going to happen to him again, mm-hmm. and it just happened to happen to him at a bad time. But, look, I'm not going to tell you you get as much adrenaline, uh, especially a lifetime closer does not get as much adrenaline in the eighth as he does the ninth. However, when you're throwing for the greater good, and that means you know, you're trying to get this team uh, into the playoffs and then winning the World Series, then you have, to, you, have to, you have to get people out in whatever role you've chosen. And it would be unrealistic, I think, for Tony La Russa, to get his guy, Liam Hendricks, who is going to be here for three years, who has been here all year long saving games late. Now you make a trade, and you make a trade for, let's say, arguably a comparable closer. These are probably the two best closers in all of baseball. you got them on the same team. But you don't take down your incumbent closer because you acquire another closer. You might use the acquired closer at times in that role, but at first you go with, Hendricks and Kimbrell. We all know you can never have too many good arms in the bullpen. And we saw yesterday something. There was a little thing yesterday. And we've seen it the last few times out. And don't miss this if you're a Sox fan or if you're a baseball fan looking at assembled bullpens. But Aaron Bummer is starting to throw the ball as well as he can throw it. When he's throwing it well, you got Kopech out there, you got Bummer out there, you have Kimbrell out there, and you have Hendricks. You got those four, and Crochet's got very good stuff, and he's a young pitcher. He's going to learn how to use it right now. He doesn't use it quite as well as he will, but he will. Tapere is a very good pitcher, had a couple of rough outings. But this bullpen is shaping up to be the best bullpen in the major leagues. The deepest, the best stuff, and everything that goes with it, meaning 
you had Rodan throw five plus yesterday, and all of a sudden, I mean, it was see you later, lights out. You're not going to hit Kopech, bummer. Kimbrel, Hendricks stayed out of it, and Tapera. I mean, you're talking about one of the great bullpens assembled in all of baseball, and maybe as deep as any bullpen assembled in baseball history. The key will be what Aaron Bummer can do. If he looks like he looked yesterday and like the last five times out, he's starting to get his control. His ball sinks like nobody around. Um, You know, you're throwing 96, 97-mile-an-hour sinkers, and when people hit it, they hit the top of the baseball and beat it into the ground. That's pretty impressive. So keeping all of these guys healthy and making sure that these arms are ready to go when, number one, either consequential games come in mid-September or when the playoffs start is going to be the key for Tony and his staff. Um, so, so we think that it's going to be Kimbrell in the eighth for the most part, uh, you know, as opposed to sort of going back and forth, which Tony had hinted at. I understand your logic on Hendricks completely, and he's obviously a guy who feeds off the, uh, the emotion and, and the anger and said so, and he's definitely going to be here for the next few years. Well, I think, you, I think the initial thing is Kimbrell throws the eighth, if need be, or there's other times where Tony might flip it up. He is not willing to say, this is going to be my everyday closer, this is going to be my everyday setup man. But in the, the opportunities that he's had, it's been, it's been Kimbrell first, Hendricks second. As long as that's working, you stay with it. But there are going to be times where maybe Hendricks uh, throws two days in a row, can't throw the third day. Maybe it's going to be Kimbrell. He's going to be able to to get that done. So I don't know how it pans out. I just know that when you have these options, and some would say an embarrassment of riches, you tend to uh, to go with what makes you unbeatable. And it seems so far that Kimbrell and Hendricks back-to-back make you unbeatable. Stoney, Gavin Sheets has been impressive uh, at times. Is he still a victim of roster crunch when Luis Robert comes back? I, I don't know if he's, if he's proven enough or, or shown enough at this point to, uh, to stay when Luis comes back. Uh, look, it, it, it's an interesting conversation to have. I really, I really can't tell you who it's going to be at this point because I don't really know. I'm not sure if, uh, if they have an idea, but sometimes these things work themselves out. Uh, they work themselves out because of injuries that you didn't expect. And Lord knows we've had our share of injuries this year on the ball club. Um, Gavin Sheets has done a great job. To me, that's one of the options going forward. Um, as far as uh, experience and um, guys who have uh, done a pretty good job when they were healthy, Jake Lamb is that guy. I don't know who's going to go down. I just know that it's not an easy situation when you have when you have as many real good guys, guys who have contributed, guys who have stepped in in situations where injuries dictated that they filled the, the gap. These guys have done it. I mean, to a man. Goodwin has been terrific. Uh, Sheets has been very good. Hitting off the bench is really tough for young hitters, and Gavin has shown he can do that. I'm glad I'm not making the decision because I think it would be a tough one, and looking ahead, I couldn't tell you who it's going to be. There's Steve Stone earlier today on Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel. If you missed any portion of it the second time around, it's always available to you at 670thescore.com and on your Odyssey app. And, yeah, a t- tough decision. Looks like it's coming up for the White Sox in terms of a, a roster move when Luis Robert comes back and who's going to be sent down or, or, or just DFA'd at some point. I, I've stopped in, in my weekday job up in Milwaukee on, on 1250 AM The Fan as the afternoon host. 
because the Brewers are, are constantly constantly getting guys, acquiring guys, or getting guys back off of injury, off the injury list that it looks like it's creating a log jam on the roster. And David Stearns and Craig Council, their 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 line, their stock line is, well, these things tend to figure themselves out. And you you hear that, Sean, and you roll your eyes, but inevitably these things work themselves out either via performance and somebody just slumping, somebody else getting hot or someone else getting injured and you needing that guy who's coming back or you just acquired. It's a long season, man. It's a grind. And ultimately, these two these things do tend to work themselves out. It's almost pointless to ask until you actually get to that point that you have the log jam and have to make that decision. Well, and the Sox got lucky, too, when they were able to, uh, when they called up Eloy, uh, Tyler Johnson was on the 40-man right. route. Perfect example. Yeah, he, he he had surgery that day. He was in surgery when they DFA'd him, and then they signed him back to a minor league contract. But, yeah, hopefully something works out for them because it looks like it might be somebody that might be DFA'd and they might end up losing uh, because if it's Jake Lamb or, you know, be... Uh, now I'm forgetting names, Blake Rutherford, whatever, uh, Luis Gonzalez, who was just recently injured. If one of those guys get DFA'd, they might get scooped up right away. Do you have a preference on who stays and who goes? It's a tough decision, man. It's Yeah, I think that I this is the point where like armchair GMing goes too far. Right. Like, I don't know these guys. I don't know their right. future. So like, you know, I think Jake Lamb would make sense. But also, I think that if Jake Lamb was on this team, it would also make sense because Tony, he's a Tony LaRusa guy. So I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he at least gets another shot or at least another week in the major leagues with the White Sox. So we'll see what they do. And again, Cubs, White Sox right here on 670. The score tonight, Chris Ranji coming up in uh, just about 20 minutes here on the score at three o'clock. He'll take you right up to Cubs baseball and Pat and Ron on the call. After this, the NBA wants to know if there was tampering. And that Bulls-Lonzo Ball deal? Uh, there was. There was. We all knew there was, but for some reason it's a problem now. We'll discuss right after this on 670 The Score. It's about that time. We're not playing no more. Big boy stuff only. Last night, all the hard work paying off. All my fans, family. Appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for taking the journey with me. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can just move on from here and everybody have a good time. And I get in the league and do what I'm supposed to do. That's Lonzo Ball upon the news that he would be uh, coming to Chicago to join the Chicago Bulls. Is he a I clap when I talk guy? Like when I'm nervous, I just I randomly clap when I talk. Super annoying, dude. Super annoying and distracting. I like the acquisition of Lonzo Ball, though. Stop clapping when you talk. But I like the acquisition of Lonzo Ball. Should it go through because the NBA has opened an investigation into possible tampering violations in the sign and trade agreement that's set to send Ball from New Orleans to Chicago. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reported Saturday afternoon it was a deal that was agreed to but hasn't yet become official. Bulls are going to give Ball $85 million uh, if this thing goes through and the NBA doesn't stop it. How 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 dumb? How dumb is the NBA investigating tampering? And... I, I ran into this last year in, in Milwaukee with my weekday job as the afternoon host on 1250 AM, the fan, when the Bucks tried to go and get Boyan, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who ended up with the Atlanta Hawks, and, and Woj reported that before the deal was official or was allowed to become official, and the NBA stopped the deal. Bucks obviously did, ended up not getting Bogdan, but things, things worked out for them none, nonetheless with a few, with a few moves that, that transpired after that, but what I heard when that went down was it was the way that Woj had worded the report about Bogdanovich 
that set off alarms for for the NBA front office and that that looks into things like this, these tampering charges. And I was like, man, you're gonna let you're gonna let the way an NBA reporter decided to word his report dictate or 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 factor into or influence whether or not you want to open an investigation and ultimately punish an organization. And and since then, Woj and other NBA reporters have been very careful about how they word this stuff because of that when they're reporting that these deals are done before they're done. And still, the NBA is now investigating not just the Bucks, but there were a couple other teams that are that are going to be under investigation as well for their deals to heat and, and the way that they got Kyle Lowry. Um, there's one more, too. It's, I'm drawing a blank right now on, on what the other team was and what deal is in jeopardy because the NBA is investigating tampering. But, man, how... We all know that there's tampering going on. Like, we know, Sean, these deals are constantly reported being done before the, the window or the deadline comes that deals can actually be done. Well, and I think the NBA gets a ton of credit for the way that they their sport has grown and, and they've kind of right. taken it and, and ran with it since like 2010. Al, Adam Silver's done a fantastic job, but you mentioned it, like the way that these reporters are need to tweet uh, or, or word their tweets is something that, can get them in a lot of trouble. I mean, you look at the NBA draft, like whenever Woj is tweeting about a pick that comes in, it's like, oh, they're interesting. They're eyeing, they're putting their eye on X right. player because it, it, for some reason, they cannot just clarify that like teams talk to each other. Teams have been talking to each other. And even before the deadline, this deal might've been in place or they might've had something very close to this deal for Lonzo Ball because there was reports of this at the trade deadline that this deal was almost about to happen at the deadline. I don't know what exactly the NBA is trying to prevent from happening by by stopping by stopping these discussions or, or stopping these discussions from going public before these free agency periods open. You're not going to stop the deals from happening. You're not going to stop these teams from talking to guys before they're supposed to. That's that's just part of the business. All you're going to stop is is the buzz and and the rumors and 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 the storylines that Sean. It sounds like you and I both agree are are good for this league. Yeah, if you want to go get a guy, just be aggressive. I mean, it, what is fun is I think most Bulls fans would agree is seeing that like, oh, Lonzo Ball is he going to come? Is he going to come? And then immediately right at that deadline. He, or right when it opens up, Lonzo Ball is a Chicago Bull. Like, that's exciting. Right. And that's ex- immediate impact, immediate action right out the gates when you start at 3 o'clock. So I don't know what the NBA is hoping to accomplish with this. I, I don't understand it. Like, just just let it go. We know that this is happening. Just let it go. But let's... 312-644-6767. A few minutes to take your calls. What did they really accomplish this week in free agency? Because I do like each individual acquisition on its own. I like. I like Lonzo Ball. I like DeMar DeRozan. I even like Caruso a little bit. I like the trade for Vuc- for Vuc- Vucevic back when, when they made that. I have trouble with that name, as you can tell. But big picture, I, I don't know what the Bulls really accomplished here with these moves because the way I see it, you're a four seed, maybe a maybe a five seed. If you really, really, really maximize this roster that they've put together now, you're a three seed, but are you are you a threat to the Nets and the Bucks? Which I think is is a is the class of the Eastern Conference, and that's not going to change anytime soon. And look at what they gave up, and look at the amount of time that they're locked in to some of these deals: four years, eighty five million, and two second round picks 
for Lonzo Ball, along with sending Sadoransky over there. Three years, $85 million, and a first-round pick for 32-year-old DeMar DeRozan, and you gave up Thad Young in that deal. Four years, $37 million for Caruso, and let's go back to the Vucevic, Vucevic deal. Two first-round picks for a 30-year-old center who has two years and $46 million remaining on his contract after this season? I, I, I like all these players that they've acquired, that they've kept. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm not going to have to look at terrible basketball anymore and we start, started to see it shift from terrible basketball to something that's actually watchable last year. I'm just glad this isn't a regime of incompetence like we've seen, like, like we had seen for so long in the post-Michael Jordan era for the Chicago Bulls with that blip on the radar that was, that was the Derrick Rose era. But it, it, they didn't make themselves contenders now. And I don't know that you're going to be contenders at any point that this core is, is together and in their prime. A few years back on my afternoon show in Milwaukee on 1250 AM, the fans score sister station. Catch me weekdays, three to six, if that's your thing. I said it was like four or five years ago and we were watching Giannis start to blossom and we were watching a new ownership group try to do things different and build a roster. They had just drafted Jabari Parker, who they had very high hopes for. And I was I was saying to Bucks fans, like, let's play the long game here. This this conference is LeBron James conference for the foreseeable future. LeBron James is the Eastern Conference champion, and that's not going to change until until LeBron just just starts to to fall apart and 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 decline or he goes to the Western Conference and then you can start to have championship aspirations but slow build it slow play it up until then and 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 don't don't look for immediate satisfaction because it's probably not realistic even even in the next 2 or 3 years satisfaction was not realistic for for that fan base at that time and it it came to fruition exactly as i said that it would LeBron leaves for the West. He gets his one title out there. Giannis develops into the freak that he is. They add piece by piece, year by year, around him. And now, like I said, along with the Nets, you are one of the powers in the Eastern Conference and one of the teams to beat in the Eastern Conference and defending champions. There was no point of banging your head against the wall with with Giannis at the point in his career and his development that he was with, with the roster being what it was with the financial situation, being what it was. There was no point in beating your head against the wall and trying to make something happen that was not going to happen. And I don't know if I'm sitting here saying to you right now that I would have rather watched bad basketball for another two or three years, let this thing bottom out, get some lottery picks. Hopefully you get lucky and get at least one franchise changing player. I don't I don't know if that's what I wanted to go through, but I don't I don't know that that this is what I want either. To me, the worst place that you can be in the NBA is running on a treadmill of mediocrity, of being a a 4 seed or a 5 seed with no championship aspirations, or even worse, being a 7 seed or an 8 seed year in and year out with no championship aspirations. But I, th- I think I think I kind of would have rather 
bottomed out and built for years out. To me, if you're not trying to win a championship now, then 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 build for a championship in the future. Always have your set sight on on the ultimate prize and hanging banners in the rafters at the United Center. You guys get one. One championship in Milwaukee, and now you're telling us how to win? <laughs> no, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying don't bang your head against a wall and try to make something happen. That's not, Do you really think that the Bulls with these moves are going to overtake? I'm not saying it's just the Bucks. Do you really think that the, the Bulls with these moves are going to overtake the Bucks or the Nets? Because to me, either one of those could come out of the East next year. You just made a bunch of moves, used a bunch of assets, and tied yourself in to this core for the next, I don't know, three, four years with one guy that's 30 years old, another guy that's 32 years old. Do you really think that in that time with this core, you're going to take over the Eastern Conference and knock those two teams off the top? In that time... Probably not, but I mean, at least for this year, they got better, and that's all they need. I mean, this this GM and this front office needs to make the playoffs, and that's that's all I think they're looking to do. If they're the four through six seed in the Eastern Conference, that's where I think that the Bulls end up, or, or at least belong. They're, I don't think they are competition for Brooklyn and Milwaukee, especially because they're trying to probably wait out Brooklyn. I, I don't think that they're going to compete with Brooklyn this year, and I think that next year, you know, maybe that team starts to fall apart, maybe guys start to leave, then maybe the Bulls start to rise up, and you know, we'll see what happens with Giannis and Milwaukee, but I, I don't think that the Bulls anytime soon are going to be championship contenders. Maybe in like three years, that's when that window opens. I think for two or three years, you're, you're, you're looking at a three seed at best, and after those two or three years, DeRozan and Vucevic are, are probably gone. One is going to be 32. One is going to be 34 years old. And what did you accomplish in those two years other than not getting lottery picks? I don't know. Like, Lonzo's here for the long haul. He's still pretty young. But I just don't know what they actually accomplished. You're I, right. It's going to be cool to watch winning basketball and not incompetence. It's aggressive. And that that's that's the thing. True. It's, it's aggressive. It could work. It could not work. But I, I think they have to hit the court. Because that's the thing is, like, they might go game one and they might have all this hype and you know possibly making the playoffs and then they might just you know crap the bed. I mean, like we, we have no idea. Thanks to Evan Altman, CubsInsider.com, Patrick Finley, sometimes Bears reporter, Dave Brown of the Midway Minute, and Sean Anderson on the other side of the glass who lined all those guys up and produced a fine program for us this afternoon. Thanks to all of you for listening and contributing. I am Rami Makhlouf saying thanks for listening on a Sunday afternoon, 2670 to score, and I'll talk to you again next week. only get so many windows in this game to really be completely and totally locked in. Speaking of windows, I'm assuming you're a Steeler fan if you grew up in Pittsburgh. I got 99 problems and A-Rod ain't one of them. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. 